0: going to move into our series. We have two more left in this. It's been going, it's been interrupted here and there, but this is Jesus in his own words. Um, this series is built on the premise that a lot of people think they know what Jesus says about things. A lot of people think they know who Jesus is, and we talk about him uh, with all kinds of our own opinions and ideas and fail to encounter the real him. And so we're, uh, as often is the case, you think you know someone until you talk to them yourself and hear their perspective, hear what their their thoughts on matters are. And so we're going to go to Jesus in his own words. There are seven statements in the book of John, which is one of the gospels gospels of, of uh, Jesus' disciples and was written uh, by John. Obviously, that's why it's called the book of John. And uh, so we're here with Jesus in his own words. But before we get into that, have any of you ever had those questions that just make you go, hmm, they make you ask, why is that? When you have little children, they ask you, why about everything? They, get, they go through a stage, why this, why that, why is the sky blue, why are we going in the car now, why do I have to go to bed now, why do I, am not tired now, but it's time for bed now, why is it time for bed, because mom and dad said, why did mom and dad say, because we think it's a good idea, why did you say that, because if you don't go to bed now, you will die, and if, <laughs> We don't say that. We don't say that. But why? Why do banks charge you a non-sufficient fund fee when they already know you don't have the money? You ever thought of that before? And why are there no B batteries? There are A, double A. There are AAA, and Then we jump right to C. What happened to B? Why is there no B batteries? I don't know why there is. You never thought of that before, are you? Why do they put Braille on the drive-through bank machine. That one, nobody has ever been able to tell me logically why that happens. And this one we experienced last week. Somehow, I don't know why this still happens, but why do you buy eight hot dogs and 12 buns every time? I think the same guy owns them both and is like, we're not going to match it up. We're going to sell a lot more hot dogs this way. We're going to have eight of them and 12 of those. You already, or you always have four buns left that feed the seagulls or something like that. There's just no fun. Why? Sometimes we wonder why about things that we really know the answer to. Why do you get a ticket when you're driving too fast? Because you're driving too fast, that's all. Why do we gain weight? Well, we eat poorly and we don't exercise. Many times there are things, though, that we don't know the answer to that leave us asking why. A number of years ago, uh, when I lost my job suddenly, was asked to leave, I didn't know why the whole big story. I know what the story was, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand why it was happening. If you've been in life and ministry for very often, a few years ago, I was sitting with a couple as we talked through the death of their adult son who had taken his own life. I didn't know why. What made it difficult for me, it was was my own cousin that I had grown up with. Sometimes you just don't know the why of situations in life and why things happen the way that they do. And we all want to be what we dream to be. We all have hopes and desires of what our life could be. But then it seems like if you live long enough that something will come against the dream of God in your life. Something will come against the promise that you felt you were going to live for. The thing that you had promised and staked your life on seems to be being challenged and being broken. Dreams and ideals and where we then experience loss and feel pain and things like where we don't always know what and we don't always know why it happens when a mom is dealing with a disappointment and a difficulty of parenting little, child, little children that was supposed to be this incredible thing, but now leaves her feeling trapped in her home and wondering, will I ever escape? The death of a dream when our spouses disclose their pornography addiction or they don't disclose their other addictions, but we both know that it's happening. The death of a dream of a friendship through the betrayal of someone who talked behind your back when you're... and it doesn't stop in high school, although it's certainly there. happens in workplaces and families. The loss of your dream job through no fault of your own, where you were passed over and put out because somebody had a friend that they were going to put in that place. The rejection of someone who once said that, and stated very clearly that they love you and they will always be for you. And then when trouble came into your life, they walked out of your life. A sickness that has you facing an uncertain future. We all have these things. could be a a university student who's facing a false accusation of plagiarism because somebody else cheated on your project. Or a parent who faces, or a grandparent who faces the loss of a son or a daughter to addiction. Maybe they're not dead, but... In many ways, they are dead because of the life that they're living. Pain and loss in so many places and so many place, uh, spaces in our life. It could be a student in a high school who gets bullied, and we see this more and more. What used to be overt is covert, behind the scenes, but is debilitating to many, many young people today, online bullying. And the ripples that go out from those moments, because the moment comes... And it doesn 't just stop there, it begins to ripple out from your life, and it affects you in ways that you didn't anticipate. It uh, it's, causes you to withdraw in ways that you never thought you would, and the impact that seems to go far beyond the disappointment and the discouragement that lingers far longer than the moment that it happened. the confusion and the frustration that comes out like a geyser at the right time, and it just blow up and yell and scream at somebody. The anger and the feelings of frustration that linger and the emptiness that you feel and someone has said this that uh, depression is just anger turned inward where you're angry at life and you can't express it. You don't know how to express it and you don't feel capable of expressing it and it goes inward at some level. What do you do when it tries your courage where you're Or when your heart is so hurt that you've withdrawn and backed away from what the life that you once thought was yours? What do you do when your worry seems greater than the word over your life? When the pain that you feel is more intimidating than the promise you once knew? How do you handle situations where fear has debilitated you and faith has Faded away. Feelings of emptiness that linger like the foggy mist of an October morning. Seeming never to lift. And as Christ followers, we turn to the Bible. And this morning, I invite you to turn to John chapter 11. It's a story of, of a, if you've grown up in church, you might have heard this story before. The story of a man named Lazarus. Lazarus, uh, we hear a bit about him in, in the New Testament. He and his sisters, Mary and Martha were seemingly good friends of Jesus. He spent several times, it's mentioned that he spent time there. And it's this story that is for everyone that has ever been defeated, discouraged, and wondering why. It's a story for the one who looks up sometimes to feel the bottom. It's a so- story for the spouse hanging on. It's a message for the one that wonders if there is a way forward. It's a lift for the anxious who feels afraid of what the future might bring. It's a challenge for the arrogant who think that they've got it all together, it's a comfort for the one who's waiting to find the way forward. And it's a, here we come into this family, and I'm not gonna—I'm gonna read a few verses, but I'll refer to it more than read it. But you can follow it in in John chapter 11. There's family that seems to be made up of all unmarried siblings—Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Um, I don't know, but perhaps there was no Christian mingle. I don't know what was going on, but all of them are. Here they were, hanging out together. Uh, Jesus hung out with them, though. See, Jesus isn't really worried the status of your relationship. He'll hang out with you. It doesn't matter whether you're succeeding in, the, in the, what everybody else thinks is an ideal family. Jesus comes into those families and, and sees the hope and the potential of each and every one of us, whatever our family situation is broken, alone, single, married, doesn't matter. He's in there in the middle of it all. That's just for free. But here we were, and we come to a few verses in, and Jesus was ministering somewhere. And he's doing his thing, which is he went around doing good, healing all who are oppressed to the devil. He's just teaching people to follow God. and And he gets a message from the sisters, and they say, Your friend Lazarus, the one who you love, he's very sick. And Jesus does this interesting thing. He says right away, He says that this is not a a sickness unto death. God's going to get the glory out of this. This is just a little side note when I was preparing. But when the unthinkable happens, you have to do more than shrug your shoulders and shake your head. When things roll into your life that you never thought would happen to you, you have to learn how to posture yourself right away. Don't wait till it overwhelms you. When the news comes in, you have to right away... I call it getting on your front foot. You lean in in a new way. Because something that I've learned and the scriptures model this is you can't engage these kind of things with just natural wisdom. You need to, as soon as you hear bad news, what if our posture was like Jesus? God's going to get glory out of this. God's going to get glory out of this. Right away, God's going to get glory out of this. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't even see how it's possible. But God, I'm going to hang in until you get the glory out of this. God is working in ways that you don't know immediately. He's working in the in the middle where you see it. He's working behind the scenes where you don't. God is in the middle of it right, right away. And see what happens, you, you immediately posture yourself to say, God's going to win in this moment. Somebody might have formed a weapon against me, might have accused me, might have ripped me off in some way, but God, you're going to bring glory to yourself out of this. You're going to help me through this in a, in a powerful way. We talked about it a little bit this morning, and it's a big part of who we are, that Worship or our melody is our weapon. We don't just say that for fun. See, Psalm 22, one of the uh, writers of the Bible says that, that in Psalm 22, 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people. What comes out of your mouth is incredibly important to push your way through a problem that you're in. Because you can lock yourself up even further by by the the words of our mouth and the bible talks about as a man thinks in his heart so is he and it also says out of the overflow of your heart your mouth speaks so the negativity shows that there's a lack of fear or faith in your heart but you can right away begin to cuz fear comes on so quick so quickly But you begin to posture yourself, and and in Acts 16, there was these two guys, Paul and Silas, and they they had gotten beaten, they had gotten uh, stripped, they had gotten thrown into the innermost cell of a jail, they were locked up in in, uh, stocks, and there they were. And it says that about midnight, in the middle of that kind of a situation, Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping. See, the posture that you take when trouble visits your life is incredibly important, because the Bible says that rain falls on the just and on the unjust. We live in a sin-cursed world. that trouble. Jesus says, talked about that uh, troubles will come, but be of good chur- courage, for I have overcome the world. And the way that you overcome is to begin to posture the, the, your life through the way that you speak that right away, I'm gonna, I, I just begin to say, God, you're going to get glory out of this. I referred to it earlier that when I when it uh, was made known to me that I would be released from my job, my wife, I I came home, and Shanda and I were talking, and right away... We said, God, you're going to win for this. We're going to come out winning for this. Because it seems like a dark, dark day right now, and we don't know the way forward. But somehow, God, I'm posturing myself like Jesus and say, God's going to get glory in this. Don't minimize your words, because your words have the power of life. Your words have the power of death. You can help yourself move forward, or you can lock yourself up further. So why not begin to shift the atmosphere that comes in to the room instead of being a victim of it and begin to push back against it and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? That I am an overcomer in God. That the weapons of my warfare are the words of my mouth. And so I'm going to begin to praise. I'm going to begin to give thanks. I'm going to begin to proclaim the goodness of God in my life. Last weekend, uh, I did uh, this thing called Tough Mutter And I, I had a verse for myself that morning. It's Psalm Psalm 118 says this, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. I will proclaim the goodness of God in the land of the living. And when I come to, and people thought it was, I was playing. I was praying, man. That was no playing. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. And my team was like, thank you for that inspirational quote. said, I'm always here to help. That's just what I'm here to do. So determine your posture. Let your words be full of faith. And and anyhow, as we go on, Lazarus is very sick and Jesus delays for two more days. See, Jesus operates on his own timetable. It's not dependent on your prayer. Always. He has a timetable that he's working and he's always with the goal of bringing glory to God and making you better through it somehow. On the third day he decides to leave and head towards Bethany where uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. And, and along the way, he says to his disciples, Lazarus is sleeping. They're like, you mean like he's in a deep sleep? We just got to wake him up? And Jesus, I, I feel so much like the disciples all the time. I'm so dumb to the obvious. He says, Lazarus is dead. He was trying to be nice. Lazarus has fallen asleep. Oh, we're just going to give him a little push and then he will wake up. No, that's why we're traveling four days, buddy. No, Lazarus is dead. And he gets there, and Martha, the sister of Lazarus, comes to Jesus, and she's in obvious pain and grief, and she says this. Martha said to Jesus in the Passion Translation, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. When I read that, I was like, I think I feel a lot like Martha. A lot of times. Isn't that the question we've all asked at one time or the other? God, if you had done what I had asked, if you'd shown up when I asked for you, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If you had given me that job, if you had healed my friend, from our perspective, it's too late. We know what should have happened if we were God. We don't see anything good coming from this in any way. You had one job. It's kind of what she's saying. You had one job. How many times have I fed you and you haven't even paid me? You had one job, God. If only you had done it, I wouldn't be experiencing this loss, this pain, this frustration, my marital issue, all that. You had one job. The pain, the disappointment, and the struggle, and then they interact for a bit more. Jesus doesn't react to what she says other than to say this, which is our key verse for today. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe what's happening in your life right now, or do you believe this? Which is going to order your life? You know, this is a common funeral or memorial passage, and we're not having one right now, uh, just so we're clear. And it's very appropriate because it's this incredibly powerful scripture that reminds us that when a loved one has passed or when we're facing death, it's not the end of the story. If you believe in Jesus and surrender your life to him, the clear promise that Jesus is making, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. If you believe Jesus, the promise of eternal life is yours. It didn't say if you believe and then suddenly become a perfect person. If you believe, that Jesus came, died, buried, and rose again. Only believe that Jesus died and paid, for the, paid the penalty for, for our sin. Only believe that Jesus is the leader and leader of your life. Because even though you die physically, you will never die. It's a great hope of the gospel that there's life beyond the grave for those who surrender their life to Jesus. There's hope. That's the hope of the gospel that no matter what happens, that God is for me and, and he's going to make a way. The Bible talks about he's preparing a place for me. A place for me. I talked to a senior here in our church, and actually it's Pastor Duncan who often says this. He says, It's not death I'm afraid of, it's getting there that has me a little concerned. <laughs> Believers should long for heaven like a prisoner longs for freedom, like a sick man longs for health, like a hungry man longs for food, like a soldier longs for peace, like a poor man longs for payday. See, the hope and courage in facing, facing death, one commentator said, is the last opportunity for Christ followers to exhibit their faith in God, to prove their hope in heaven is genuine and to adorn their confidence in the promise of God. There is more to this life than this life. And one day, the Bible says, we will meet Jesus, whether it's in the air, whether it's when we pass from death to life, in a moment, we will see him. We will see him. He's returning one day for a church. He's returning for us. Some of us will get there ahead because we die. Some will be caught up with him. There's more to this life than this life. I, I might have told you this before, but my grandfather, uh, probably in his mid-seventies, uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia of some kind and got worse and worse. And Alzheimer's is one of those terrible things. Shanda's dad also passed away from it as well. Uh, just a few years ago and it's one of those terrible things that you die slowly in front of someone and my grandfather got to the near the end where he could not even talk anymore he didn't recognize anybody and and my grandma told me this story that she was sitting at the end of his bed uh one day she's praying for him and praying for him and she felt like god through the holy spirit said to her will you let him go in other words will you let him go to me and she wrestled with that because even even though uh he could not communicate and all those it's still her husband of uh, 50 plus years almost 59 years and uh in that moment she she just she said i wrestled with it craig for a little bit but then i i said okay lord your will be done and i release him to you she said she said shortly after that the man who uh, could not talk suddenly sat up in bed like up stretched his hands out like this like he was looking off into the far off and said, Mom, Papa, and began to name his siblings that had gone before who had passed away and knew Jesus. And Ray put his hands out like a welcome, and then the man who had not spoken suddenly, and then he falls back, and within 45 minutes he had passed away. There is more to this life than this life. You need to be ready so that when your day comes, because let's be honest, we don't know if our day is today. I'm not. I don't want to lean too hard into that, but it's very clear here in the text that your hope for tomorrow can be solidified in Jesus. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to be concerned. You just need to trust in Jesus. So we continue on in the story. That nice light interlude. So... Continue on. Mary, the other sister, comes along, and she basically says the thing, same thing. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And then when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, uh, the Passion Translation says it this way, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you. They, the, the tears streamed down Jesus' face. Jesus, seeing Jesus weep, caused many of the warners to say, look how much he loved Jesus. And yet others say, isn't he the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? The tension that we all feel all the time. Confusion, anger, frustration. Yeah, God loves me, but what shouldn't be this way? Then Jesus comes and moves forward. He says, roll away the stone. See, back in those days, they would hew um, or carve a, a, a tomb out of, out of the rock. Out of a, and make it out of a cave or enlarge an animal cave or something, put a rock in front of it and seal it up to keep the smell and the in and the animals out. And so Jesus says, roll back the stone. And Martha says, uh, it's been four days. And I love how the King James says it, and he stinketh. <laughs> kind of an understatement. After four days with the Middle East heat, he stinketh. They take away the stone and Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. St. Augustine said, it's a, the reason why he said the name Lazarus was otherwise the whole graveyard would have come out. <laughs> come forth. <laughs> Very specific in his address in that moment. Take, and Lazarus does come out. They take the grave's clothes off of him and let him go. Side note though, I... I don't, I don't know that it was that. I think, though, that sometimes in the middle of our story, we think that God has forgotten us. And it's moments like this that remind me that God knows your name. God knows your name in the middle of it all. You're not a number to God. He sees you. He's not waiting for you to come into some place of being acceptable enough. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. Uh, He knows your name in the middle of the addiction that you're battling. He knows your name in the middle of the anxiety that you fight off at night. He knows your name when it feels like everybody else has forgotten yours. He knows your name when you feel overlooked and unseen. And he's calling your name today, again. He's calling your name again. Because when he calls your name, everything changes in your life. You have to respond to his call. But when he calls your name, the thing that held you can no longer hold you. When he calls your name and you come walking, your life will ever, forever be altered. It doesn't matter whether you've known him. See, we, almost all of us, not almost, all of us have moments in our life where we come to a new season where God gives us an invitation and calls us out of our comfort zone into a new zone. And every moment we're faced with that Like a line, will we step into it or will we stay where we are? And so whether it's salvation or whether it's an invitation into a new season that's uncomfortable for you, into a place that you're not familiar with, your response when you say yes to Jesus is things that once stopped you begin to drop off of you. Things that once held you back no longer hold you back because the purpose of God is not over just because you're locked up in a cave of discouragement and despair that there's still good things in front of you that God has for you. Things are not done just because you're older now. There are things that God could still do through your life as you respond to him afresh in a new season. You might have had so many things that you blew up in your life that you wish you wouldn't have do but God is again just like Lazarus calling you out of with out of the grave clothes to say will you respond to my word to you today and say God whatever it takes I'm going to follow you with all of my heart with all of my soul with all of my strength when he calls your name to start living a little bit more selflessly instead of selfishly and in some ways this story is like the novel we all want to read there's difficulty there's great loss, and then the hero comes in and saves the day, and everybody goes home happy. And it's a great story. But not every story ends that way. And we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that, that not every story ends this way, with a physical health or being brought back to life. And here's the other thing. Lazarus was brought back to life. He died later. So God does miracles. And God moves in powerful ways. But the miracle of bringing someone back to life, we have about 10 different passages throughout the Bible, and that's why it's called a miracle, not a usual. It's because it happens, doesn't happen all the time this way. But God gives us a picture for far more than that. See, sometimes the answer of Jesus to our request is yes. We love those moments. But sometimes, because he knows better, his, re, his answer is no. And sometimes, this is the one we like the least, is wait. Not yet. See, there was a king in the Old Testament by the name of Hezekiah, and he had been told by the prophet, better watch my time, had been told by the prophet, uh, you're going to die, get your affairs in order. How would you like that guy to come over to your house? Hey, I thought we were going you want to come over and watch the game? Uh, yeah, just a moment, be, pass the popcorn. Oh, get your affairs in order, you're going to die oh, okay, well, I hope they win today then. And off we go. But the Bible says that he laid on his bed, turned his face to the wall and wept and said, God, give me more time. And God graciously answered him and gave him 15 more years. Wow, wonderful. Then there was another king by the name of David who had a baby that was born and was not doing well and was was dying. And it says that David got on his face and fasted and prayed and, and he was asking God to move, but God's answer in this, that moment was no. We don't know why. It doesn't give commentary on it. And when David heard that his son had died, he says he got up, washed himself, put lotion on his face, went and worshipped, and then he sat down and said, I'm going to eat now. And his, his people were so confused. They say, saying, when the baby was alive, you were fasting and praying, but now that the baby is, is passed away, you're eating. And he said, listen to this. It's a powerful statement. He said... Why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. See, the point is, in other words, God's ways are God's ways. God's timing is God's timing. He has plans and purposes that we don't always understand. Even in death, despite its sorrows and sense of loss, there's still hope. There's still hope. If you've lost someone, the beauty of the gospel is, I will go to them. I will go to them. I may not see them again on this side, but I will go to them. That's the hope of the gospel, the beautiful hope of the gospel. And we've seen incredible moments where God has given his yes in a powerful way. We had our friend Bill who had a little baby that was being, uh, they thought would not survive even up to being born. And uh, I loved it when that baby, we prayed and prayed and prayed a couple of years ago for this baby, and he was born, and he was born healthily, he, they brought him to church, and we, we saw the, the fruitfulness of prayer. We saw our friend uh, that a number of weeks ago, probably six months ago now more, uh, was lying in a hospital bed, not expected to live, and I love it when I see him here on a Sunday, hands raised because God touched him, the miracle work and power of Jesus. See, our posture is the, the power of Jesus in you is greater than everything that can come against you. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's not over until he says it's over. It's not done until he says it's done. So when something comes against me, I begin to lean in. I begin to move forward in a way that is not passive but is very active. And begin to say, God, would you move? Would you do what only you can do? Whatever we're going through, whatever we are uh, have experienced, he can cares for you his deep love he is the one it says that he wept with them that's the if you're in uh, John 11 where it says Jesus wept, he was weeping like tears running down in his face. He feels you. In uh, Psalm 23, in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You're not around me. You don't just know what's going on. You're with me in the middle of it. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't understand why it had to happen this way. But I know that you who began a good work in me will be faithful to me to complete it through me his empathy he's working all things together for the good of those that love him that means when i surrender a situation to jesus he can begin to work in that in a way that only he can work anything that god withholds from you is because he has something better for you so when you lose that job or someone walks out on you or or won't recognize who you are begin to move forward say god thank you that you're moving The power of Jesus in you is greater than everything that comes against you. Not only does he love you, he's the life that overcomes death. It means it's not over until he says it's over. And it happened on the fourth day because Jesus was making a very clear statement. In the Jewish tradition, the spirit would hang around the body for three days. And on the fourth day, it left. I don't know it because they're like, it stinketh in here. We're leaving. But I don't know why. Why? But so Jesus coming on the fourth day was not by accident. It was for him to say that when it looks impossible when you think there is absolutely no way out of this situation when that family situation cannot be restored, let me work in the middle of it. I can do things that you think are impossible. The situation may stinketh. You might not see a way out of the financial hole but Jesus is not over or done with it yet. You might be so discouraged that you don't know how you're going to move out of it. But even even to know today that God is not finished with you yet. You might be picking up the pe- broken pieces of your life and dreams because of your marriage blowing up on you through no fault of your own or maybe because of what you did. But God is not finished with you yet. It's The story is not over. He did this for Lazarus and he can do it for you because death is defeated. It says to every one of us that Jesus has the power to conquer all things. Death could could not hold him the grave bowed before him and together we begin to move forward in the power of God the see it was this kind of resurrection power that that missionary said i My life is not my own. My life was hid with Christ in God and began to expand into areas that nobody uh, thought that they could do it. They began to break through into areas and share the gospel. Missionaries and people that built hospitals, that started schools, that helped the poor because the power of the resurrected Christ was within them. And the power to heal the sick, the power that restores cities, the powers that renews marriages is the resurrection power of Jesus. She might have rejected you, But no matter what, God is still for you. You might be struggling in the addiction, but God is still for you. You might not know what your son or daughter, if they're going to make it, but God is still for you and moving on your behalf. You might have felt a loss that nobody should have, but God is still for you. He's moving. His resurrection power is going to flow through you. And everything that the enemy intended to do evil in your life, God can turn it around for your good and for his glory. That's the resurrection power. Not only is the power that overcomes death, he's the life that enables us to truly live life. 1 Corinthians 15 and 55 talks about the resurrection and the implications of what it means in our everyday life. It says this, so death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? And it goes on to say this, but we thank God For giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. In other words... Because of the resurrection, I am a conqueror in this life, not only in the life to come, but I can live differently in this life that no matter what comes at me, I can live differently in this life. The power of Jesus in me is greater than everything that has come against me. And look at this in an age of anxiety. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. The resurrection power of Jesus is not just a moment on the cross or when Jesus rose from the dead, that same resurrection power can live in you. Jesus said, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? When everyone else is struggling to know what to do, the power of Christ in you is greater than everything that comes against you. When everything that you trust in is being shaken and rattled and you're wondering, how am I gonna make it through? The power of the resurrected Jesus lives in you. When you have lost hope in what's happening, The power of the resurrected Christ lives in you. He is the life. He doesn't just live one day. He lives today in you. He is the source of your power to live life, to become all that he has called you to be. So if if you're in a place of loss, not knowing your way forward, Jesus is still for you. The resurrected Christ is still working today. If you're in the middle of a marriage that you don't know how it's going to survive, let me tell you, it won't survive without the power of the resurrected Christ moving and living in you. It's not just another good idea and, and having a communications course, although you should probably do that. You need the power of the resurrected Christ to live in you and through you. The addicted ones will not be set through free through some more teaching. They need the power of the resurrected Christ in us. We can't change a city or renew families without the power of the resurrected Christ. And believe me, we need more of Him and less of us we need more of his power less of our power we need more of Jesus and less of anything else he gives you the life power to endure I love I think it's the book of Peter that says everything that you need for life and godliness is found in Jesus I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me Philippians says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world the power of the resurrected Christ In the waiting and in the wondering, be encouraged. He is the resurrection and he is the life. So you hang on. Don't you run out of that marriage until you've fought every battle that needs to be fought, not with your spouse, but with the powers of darkness. When you stand and begin to declare, it's not over until it's over. And I'm going to raise the sound of my voice and say, God, I need you in the same way. You are the resurrection and the life. So into this dead area of my life, bring your life. Into the call that I thought was all finished and done because I blew it again and again, bring your resurrection life. Into the places of where my son or my daughter struggles with addiction, Lord, bring your resurrection life. Into the place of my barrenness and my sorrow at my great loss, bring your resurrection life. You hang on, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. And even if the situation is over, you're not over. You're not done until he says you're done. Even if it seems like something has ended, there's no future for you. God is not finished with you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. That God is not finished with you. You might feel like everything and everyone is finished with you. But let me tell you this morning that God is not finished with you. That he has great purpose for your life. That there's hope for you no matter what hell hole you're in right now. That God is for you. Who can be against you? I am the resurrection and the life to you. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Here's the great question of the morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? In a moment, just invite you to, you can stay seated for a moment. We're going to close out in a song in a moment. But just want always and very clearly, if you're, are here and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to come and give my life a reset. The way I've been doing it, it, it's not working out so well, and I absolutely need you. And that kind of sense and feeling that you, some of you are even feeling right now on the inside, it's the Holy Spirit leading and drawing you. It's God who works in you to will and to do according to His good pleasure. You just say, so with every, can you just bow your heads and. Just give privacy to the people around you. It's nothing spooky, close your eyes. Again, it's just privacy thing. If you're, and as we're talking about the power of Jesus, that power is not yours unless you activate it. It's like credit on a credit card. You have to sign your name and activate it. And in the same way, the power of Jesus is not yours unless you activate it by saying, Jesus, will you be the forgiver and leader of my life? Come into my life, lead my life this morning we're not going to ask you to come forward we're not going to do any of that so as I, in that moment if you say pastor I need to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life for the very first time just raise your hand real quick I want to pray for you just keep it up and yeah forgiver and leader of my life yes thank you I'm going to pray for that in a moment but as well now you know you're in the middle of it right now And you need to see Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus, come through in a way that only He knows that you need. Just throw your hand up real quick. I want to pray for you. Keep it up. Yep, 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 yep. Hands all over. That's it. We need Jesus. And finally, if you're, maybe you're doing good, but you're in the battle for somebody else. Someone that you're praying for, someone you're believing God for, some situation that you know somebody in your life needs the resurrection power of Jesus to flow through. Just throw your hand up and we'll have a great with you. Yeah, all over the room. Such great people. So Jesus, right now, for those, if you raise your hand to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, just pray along with me quietly in your own heart. Jesus, I invite you to be my the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I need you I surrender my life to you. I repent of going my own way. And I ask you to forgive me and lead me into the resurrection life. And Lord, thank you that those hands that were raised in this prayer this prayed, that a reset happens right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, for people that are going through it right now, the hands, Lord, all the needs that are represented, Lord, we bind, muzzle, and gag every demonic force that has brought interference in lives right now in Jesus' name. And we loose the power of heaven right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you would lift off discouragement. Pray, Lord, that you break the power of anxiety. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that... Thank you, Lord, even light coming into People's consciousness and as the, the stone rolls out away oh and they hear their name being called right now. Come on. Come forth. It's great life in front of you. I have more for you. Every need, every place. And Lord, right now in Jesus' name, we also pray for those that we're praying for. Lord, we ask that you would rule and overrule in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would do What we cannot that you would move on hearts lord jesus you would draw us sons and daughters men and women friends family to you lord lord where areas where breakthroughs needed areas where financial release is needed lord areas where surrender must happen lord we ask in the strong name of jesus lord that you would move powerfully that you would move strongly that you would move as only you can do we acknowledge our absolute desperate need for jesus that you are the resurrection and the life he who lives and believes in you will live even though they die will never die